Greetings, gente puente. In this episode, Glen Mary priest Father Vic Sub shares his experience of ministering to seasonal migrants for the past 30 years in the rural South, and he gives us suggestions for how to develop these pastoral relationships. Develop a relationship is that you to be present. Uh, the Catholic Church is needs to be always a lifeline to other people. And that means is that people from other countries, other places, they have a confidence in the church from where they come from. And so we have to continue that confidence. We can build on that. You can find a summary of today's show and all the resources mentioned at pattycc.com slash 32. Si prefieres español, puedes leer un resumen de la entrevista de hoy sobre cómo crear relaciones pastorales con los migrantes que vienen por una temporada y todos los vínculos en las notas del programa en paticc.com diagonal S32. I'm Patty Gutierrez from Patty's Catholic Corner. Our team serves Catholic ministers like you who want to connect with the Hispanic community. We make your ministry easier by sharing best practices, resources, and encouragement through this Gente Puente podcast and our Facebook group. And we help you focus on your ministry through our Catholic translation services, from English to Spanish or from Spanish to English. Get a quote for your project today at pattycc.com slash services. Before we dive into the interview, let me remind you of some episodes related to this topic. Episode 20, How to Go Out to the Periphery in Your Ministry with Jaime El Serio Torres. And there's some episodes about traditions of popular piety that you could offer to celebrate with migrant groups that may be in your area during Day of the Dead, which was episode 6, Our Lady of Guadalupe, which was episodes 9 and 10, and The Posadas, which was episode 11. And for those who work with undocumented populations, Episode 3, Helping Immigrant Parishioners Through a Safety Plan with Father Steve Pawelk. If you have some resources related to any of these topics, don't forget to join our Gente Puente Facebook group and share with our community of Catholic leaders. Like I said, today's episode is focused on ministry with seasonal migrants. Some seasonal migrants travel the country following the crop schedule. Maybe picking tomatoes in Florida, and then onions in Georgia, and then cutting tobacco in Kentucky, then harvesting blueberries in Maine, for example, and so on. Others are invited directly by a specific farm owner through an H-2A visa. They are invited for a specific time period depending on the crop they will be helping with. The farm owner is required to provide free housing and provide workers' compensation insurance for occupational injuries. The worker can only be employed by that specific farm owner, and if they are terminated or complete their work ahead of schedule, they're required to return to their country. In the interview we're about to hear, Father Vic Sub, a Glen Mary priest, focuses on his experience with H-2A workers, but much of what he shares could also be applied to creating pastoral relationships and ministry with any migrant workers who are in your area for a short period of time. Father Vic has been visiting farm workers in Arkansas, Georgia, Kentucky, and Tennessee for the past 30 years. Despite the migrants only being in the area short-term, Father Vic has developed lifelong friendships, even visiting farm workers and their families in their home countries. 
Let's listen in on my conversation with Father Vic. Well, Father Vic, thank you for being here on the Gente Puente podcast. I appreciate you coming. Well, thank you very much. It's great to be here. I'm going to start us off with a prayer. In the name of the Father, and the, the Son, Son, and the Holy Spirit, amen. Lord, we come before you so grateful for the many blessings that you've given us, especially for the gift of serving in your church. We know that we are not perfect, and so we thank you for your mercy and for choosing to work through our broken humanity. Lord Jesus, you pray that we would be one as you and the Father are one. Pour out your Spirit as we strive to be gente puente, building bridges to help unite the body of Christ. Come, Holy Spirit, fill the hearts of your faithful, and kindle in us the fire of your love. St. Anthony Mary Claret and Our Lady of Guadalupe, pray for us. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Well, it's so nice to have you. Thank you for coming, taking the time to come up and, and talk with me. Um, I asked you to come and talk about building relationships with migrants. But before we get into that, tell us a little bit about yourself, your background, your ministry, your vocation. Thank you. Um, my name, as mentioned, is Father Vic Sabai. I'm a member of Glemory Home Missioners. We are the missionary community here in the United States. We work in small towns, rural areas. So I've been with the community for almost 40 years now. And uh, I've been a missionary priest. I'd like to really emphasize the word missionary because it's a we try to reach out to people. We go to areas where the church is not established where, and we try to establish it and, and help it to grow. And so throughout my ministry, I've been in small towns. And throughout those ministries, I've been working with migrant workers. Um, my first 10 years of ministry uh, was working in southeast Arkansas in the area around Crossit and Hamburg, Warren and Monticello. And there I encountered many migrant workers, workers um, that uh, worked in the tobaccos, I mean, excuse me, in the tomatoes, uh, tremendous tomato uh, area there. And so um, I remember knowing no Spanish, but realizing that as a, as a priest, as a missioner, I'm called to reach out to those people that are from a different area. And so a wonderful group of people there from Hispanic people. And so I reached out to them. Those years was interesting because it was in the late 80s. There was a lots and lots of uh, immigration work being done, um, lots of amnesty and, and everything. And I, I remember not knowing how to do it, but I was remember that people were um, charging a tremendous amount of money for, mm. to help people. So I, I said, that, that's not right. I, it's And so I, being a priest, I had the opportunity to have the security that I could help people and not have to charge. And so I remember over those years doing papers in the late into the night, visiting farmers, uh, farms. Um, actually, uh, I helped about a thousand people to get their documents. And I think that's one of the things I felt most proud of in my life, you know, that those people were able to get their documentation. Mm. After my years in uh, there in Arkansas, I moved to um, South Georgia, the land of the Vidalia onions. <laughs> and so, um, again, I uh, had an opportunity to work with many of the migrants there. Uh, the area there, I think, was even more difficult. Working in the onions is very hard. Actually, pulling the onions is, is very hard on your hands. You're stooping over really low each and every day. So I admired always those who 
who did that work tremendously. And every time I would eat a Vidalia onion, I would pray for mm-hmm. uh, someone who had pulled that onion. Um, and the, the people that live in the migrant camps there were really isolated. Mm-hmm. Uh, many times they were brought in at nighttime, uh, so they didn't know where they were living. And so they uh, they very seldom ever got out. And so it was a society that was very different. Society that, uh, for me as a person, always uh, caused wonderment and and uh, just the the struggles of people, but also the the greatness of people, the joy that people had. I remember one camp, um, there was just one bathroom uh, for a hundred people, and it was a small bathroom, but. Uh, People were had faith. They had, they were there to help their families and to work for their families. Now I live in um, in Tennessee. I had also lived before that in in Kentucky, and I work with tobacco workers. And tobacco workers are it's a, it's extremely hard work. Also, any time of outside work is very hard. You can't find people from the United States to work in the fields, and so. In, where I live in Tennessee, which at one time not too long ago was the capital of the tobacco industry, it's a town called Lafayette, Tennessee, um, the, the farmers would uh, put in the newspaper they needed workers, and they, nobody would ever respond, so they would bring in workers from Mexico, mm-hmm. where I live from Mexico, the H2A. H2A mm-hmm. workers. And so they come in for uh, seven, eight, ten months, Tobacco growing generally starts in April and goes till January. By the time you plant and cut and and everything, it's a long process. And so, um, and it's a hard process. Often, the people might work all day and be sick all night. Um, and so, what do I do as a priest to minister to these people and also the members of our parish? I believe it's very important to be present to people. Uh, to develop that relationship with people. And also, so often when people visit the tobacco camps, which might be uh, kind of a big shed, or um, it might be 40 people in that that facility living. Um, And the only time you would see those people would be at Walmart Mm -hmm. on Sunday. That's when they would be bussed in these old buses, school buses, and they would be there to buy their food and maybe to eat. That was a big day to eat out. And they would go back to their um, place of, of where they lived. And, and so that's the only time you would see people. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, so our audience is mainly Catholic leaders in parishes or dioceses. And so, you know, we all wear many hats. We're busy in ministry in our, in our own setting. What kind of advice do you have for how to find, like you said, very isolated people? And maybe they have needs, but they don't really even know who to go to to ask about those needs. So how would you recommend building the relationships or finding the people to begin with um, to, to be able to show them that presence that you're talking about? That's a good question. It's not easy. Um, I, I go to Walmart maybe on Sunday. Uh, not to buy, but to visit. To visit. <laughs> um, and, but then, if you, if you, and I would ask people where they live. Now, mm-hmm. often they don't want to answer to me because they don't know me, and I mm-hmm. have to, you know, even at a small time, try to develop a relationship that to, with them at the at the store. Um, and often people don't know the address. Mm-hmm. They'll say, "Well, I live out there on that the farm. next town." Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, it's down there, and so. Um, 
But if they do give you the address, then then you have that, and then you can follow up, and you mm-hmm. can visit. And we as a parish, um, we we have we give out a lot of soap and toothpaste and things because uh, we you know people when they come in they might have food but they money for food but they don't have money for maybe those necessities of life um, cleaning you know being able to shampoo and all those things. Um, and so you were, you were telling me that sometimes when they first come, they haven't got their first paycheck yet. They right. haven't gone to the store yet, but sometimes they just need stuff at the very beginning of it's, their it's, time. It's a very critical time when they first come because I remember this is in other places. People come. Um, these were workers, in I remember, especially in Georgia, and they might have to sit for two weeks. They're there to work, but they're not, they're not ready. Mm-hmm. And so... Or the weather doesn't cooperate, right. or the temperature's not right, or something. Yeah. And so they don't have that money coming in. The boss might help a little bit, but not a whole lot. Mm-hmm. And so um, I guess uh, the developing relationship is that you to be present. Uh, the Catholic Church is needs to be always a lifeline to other people. And that means is that people from other countries, other places, they have a confidence in the church from where they come from. And so we have to continue that confidence. We can build on that. So as a, as if you say, I'm from the Catholic Church, whether you're a priest or a layperson or a brother or a sister, whatever, that gives you some kind of credibility already. Mm-hmm. And so when I go to a, a place and uh, a camp, I, I might just sit there. They'll, of course, they'll offer you food. I'll, I'll enjoy eating the food. And we talk. We talk about family. We talk about some of their struggles here. Now, even if you don't know a lot of Spanish uh, or whatever language you might be needing, um, that's okay. A smile can go a big way. And I, I think for us, um, we have to be willing to even actually look foolish sometimes. And that is that um, I don't know how to say something correctly, but that's okay, you're there. Our presence is so much, so much. Now, over the years, um, in developing nation, we've had classes in English. Um, and another time that was very important, when somebody um, maybe loses a family member, I, um, I rem- they can't go back home. And I remember a young man, his name was Herman, he, uh, his wife had a miscarriage. Mm. And, and, you know, he couldn't, he wanted to go so looking forward to that first child and the child would not be born. And so, you know, have a prayer with him to have a, a, a mass if possible. Um, also, another experience, um, I had a, a guy named Marcos who this passed just recently. Um, the boss is responsible. If if you get her on the job, he must take care of you. So that, at least in this, this area. But if you're sick, he doesn't have that responsibility and so he had been in contact with me, and um, I was able to f- find time to go out there. I took him to the doctor. His ears were so infected, both ears, that the doctor said he was almost close to losing his ear, you know, his hearing. Mm-hmm. And so uh, this is the things to do that develop the confidence that you need to minister. The people from the camps do not come to Mass. But there are brothers and sisters, and they can't come to Mass because there's no way for them to come to Mass. They come, and they're here for six or eight months, and they are legally here in the United States, 
but they don't have an opportunity to get a license and there's no car to get. And their real reason is here is to, to make money for their family and to send it home. And so um, the church has to be in a different ways. And so once at, at the end of a season, I'll have mass. I'll have mass if they ask me for a special time. But actually, life is very difficult. So if you work six in the morning to eight at night, it's, and you have to come home and you have to prepare your food for the meal for the next day, and also um, uh, do so many other things, and you don't have time to really have mass, but you can have mm-hmm. a prayer. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's several things that we do. I, I like to take people on trips, and so um, when it's a day when they don't not work as the rain or something, we might go to when we have a lot of caves in the area. We might go to some of the Mammoth Cave or um, some other place, Nashville, um, to have an idea that there's more to life in the United States than where they live in the barracks and Walmart, mm-hmm. but there's a, uh, there's more. And so I I find that to be really a very important thing. I do like, to, I've been to Mexico, so I visit many people that I know here in the United States. I visit them in their home or I visit their families in their homes in Mexico. Mm-hmm. And so doing that just brings a tremendous, tremendous connection of bonding with somebody that actually you've been to my home and and so even if when i meet people for the first time i always ask where you're from and there's a good chance that i might have been to their town um one person i met not too long ago said well i think you ate with my aunt (laughs) you know and so um so it's 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 a big world and it's a small world Mm -hmm. um but one of the things that is really helped me so much in my ministry is that uh, the Hispanic migrant workers, and that's there's other, but I work with Hispanic migrant workers, they bring a lot of joy. There's a sense of uh, uh, joy in their lives. Um, and that's that's a gift from God. That's a tremendous gift. And so um, my ministry often is just hanging out. I go to see if people are okay. Uh, I go to see if uh, there's anything they might need. And so uh, I try to do that uh, two nights a week. I try to do that on Sunday night and Friday night. Sunday night is a good night to visit. Uh, Are there specific needs that you've seen in the migrant population? I mean, I know a lot of their needs are probably the similar to immigrants in general, but are there specific needs that you see in the seasonal worker that you... That I mean, you've already said some of them, but are there other things that you've seen that they need... Well, um, yes, they, they need they need to be able to uh, uh, have someone they can have confidence in, mm. uh, someone that they know that's not going to charge them for helping them. Uh, to, and so uh, they need also uh, someone to listen to them, uh, listen to their stories of their families. You know, I like to see the you know your picture of your children. Um, I like to be able to. Uh, uh, sit down and try to understand about your area, and so uh, this uh, during the off season, I receive always a lot of phone calls from people. They'll send me a picture. This is you know I'll receive a video phone that this is my son or this is my daughter. Um, we try to help a church in in the state of Oaxaca, and so I got videos of uh, them building this church. They've been trying to build this church for so long, um, and so. There's there's that whole sense. They also they will call you. Uh, my boss hasn't called me from last year. 
can you call to see if I still have, I can come this year? Oh, mm-hmm. You know that if, if I and so even that is a case. Um, they invitations to go to weddings or whatever in Mexico is is very common, and so this the, even a guy last year he brought he, he does beautiful art handiwork. He he takes these uh, co- coconuts and does all kinds of making bowls and things with that and so he brings them up and I try to sell them for him <laughs> I'm his, I'm his uh, uh, market person here in the United <laughs> States um, and so it's really countless but and also to, for me I to joke around with someone to joke around uh, it brings life um, and, and it really it, it makes sure that the, you know that the, I always make sure that the, the example or the joke is kind of outlandish so that you're not Maybe maybe risking offending someone, you know? mm. and so um, and so so laughter is very important, and and listening is very important. I, I would say that um, always um, uh, have some things in the car that if somebody uh, might ointment, that somebody might have some problems, cuts or whatever. Um, I used to feel like I was a, a medical person. Especially You're like when, an army nurse coming in for triage. <laughs> when I lived in Arkansas, I, we had a flatbed, and we would put all these. We put food in it, and we would put uh, clothing and medicine, and we go around to maybe to all these camps in one evening. Uh, and that was I just remember how wonderful that was. I, many times I've had a van, and so I could fill up the van, and I always try to bring somebody with me. Um, one of the things too is some of the things to be beware of. The person that you're you're visiting, they really want you to come, but you're not going visiting. You're visiting somebody else's property. Right. So it's very important to get to know the boss. Now, sometimes in our area, the boss is not too in favor of of Catholic ministers, and so I always wait to make sure that the people are at the house before I visit. I don't like to. I feel it's, it's not a good thing to go onto somebody's property when there's, they're not there. And this means the workers, mm. because I'm going on the property of the boss, mm. and and so that boss has a right to know who's on my property. Right. So I, I don't blame them at all, but it, it's just something that uh, for me. So you make sure that the owner is home before you visit the workers. Is that what you're saying? No, I, I don't. Oh. I just. Um, if I can get to know the owner, yeah, and and the reason why I'm coming is just uh, these are friends. They're actually members of the Catholic Church, right? Um, and so uh, some bosses are okay with that. But for example, if 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 the the house is generally on the owner's property, mm-hmm. the barracks, and so for me to go on there, I could be trespassing, isn't mm-hmm. it? And so yeah. I always just try to, you know. Make sure the workers are there. Feel better if they're there. If they're not there, mm-hmm. just leave right away. Yeah, that's just a caution. <laughs> it's a it's but it's a small caution. To the 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 um, the joy of working with the the people there that come to our country and thank God they come. Mm-hmm. Uh, they'd say that uh, often somebody from the United States will work. You know, they'll start working at eight in the morning or whatever, and they're gone by ten. <laughs> and they just can't make it. Uh, it's hot and it's dirty and. Uh, and so we have a great respect that they're there to help us, and and that are there are brothers and sisters. And so uh, where I work with mostly is men, but sometimes you encounter families. In our parish, we have year-long families that work in the tobacco, 
and uh, often that's a different situation because they live here mm-hmm. they're not documented most of the time and the, but they'll take the children right to the field the mm-hmm. children will be in in these uh, car seats will be like six months old and they'll be working and they'll be sitting you know in the right. field with the mother mm-hmm. um, and so uh, just I guess uh, what more can we do than to give our time our time is so precious and so uh, that to me is a really good thing We'll continue with my interview with Father Vic, but first I wanted to take a minute to remind you that as part of our celebration for the one-year anniversary of the first Gente Puente podcast episode on September 1st, we will be launching Gente Puente products for sale. There will be t-shirts, hoodies, phone cases, hats, bags, and more available at gentepuente.com starting on September 1st, 2019. As more and more people are emphasizing our differences and creating divisions, the Gente Puente community is all about building bridges. Now you can carry that message wherever you go with Gente Puente apparel and accessories. They could even make a great gift for the leaders in your parish who are bridge builders in your community. Those who are always looking for ways to unite the family of God instead of emphasizing our differences and building walls. And at the same time, you're supporting the work of this podcast to shine a light on best practices in Catholic Hispanic ministry. We could even customize designs to be specific to your parish or diocese. I so appreciate this Gente Puente community, and I can't wait to share these products with you to encourage more and more people to build bridges, not walls. Now let's get back to my conversation with Father Vic. So if there's a priest listening that, or even another Catholic leader, but thinking, you know, I have too much on my plate. There's too many things already happening just here at the parish. Um, why would you recommend trying to do this ministry or getting to know the migrant in this way? I, I believe it's very important because, first of all, there are brothers and sisters. Um, and it doesn't have to be something that you do by yourself. Uh, you can develop a group that will go out and visit uh, but you would have to probably take the initiative if you were the leader and so you would would maybe do some study um, about that and I think if we can have welcoming communities to people that is really a tremendous gift because um, and you always put yourself in the position of the migrant worker here you are in a strange country we uh, can't speak the language uh, you, you have, you're with your friends or people that you, from your country, but you're always mind is back home. And I'm here for my family. I'm here for my children. I want my children to to get an education. I want my wife to not have to work as hard. Uh, I want them to have food on the table. And so, but to put yourself in that position, how do you feel? How would you feel to be in that position? I, I just think it's a tremendous outreach by our churches and I think I personally think we cannot say it's somebody else's job I personally can't think that I don't have the time Um, I think that that is important I think as pastors uh, if we can find other people to do I try to find other people to do the administration work so I could be out doing the pastoral work Mm -hmm. but that's for everyone in the parish that they can do that I think the parish becomes richer it becomes an outreach to all people. 
in my community, Glenmary, our philosophy is that everyone in the county you live in is your parishioner. And, some, and so we are called to reach out to everyone in that county. Mm-hmm. And so they're Catholics, they're brothers and sisters. They have to be ministered to. Mm-hmm. And have you found yourself enriched by that experience of getting to know the migrant? Oh, yes, yes. They're the, one of the few people that laugh at my jokes. <laughs> <laughs> and so, and so they, they, uh, they, they um, yes, they, they really are there. You get a sense of caring from them also. And so they want to make respond to you. And, and just think, you know, I mean, if anyone comes, if you live in a place that's isolated and separated, and someone comes to see you, how important that is. And so I, I don't think we can ever belittle our presence with someone. I, I think that that is a tremendous gift that we give. And so I often, I, before I go, I think to myself, what do I bring? Well, I bring, hopefully, a chance to pray and remember our Lord. But I also bring, you're, you're important to me. Mm-hmm. And you're important to the church. And, and we love you. And we're going to be there for you. Uh, and so that's important. I, I have so many stories of of just unbelievable experiences, some very beautiful, some very sad, of, of working with migrants. And so I've done it for about 30 years now. And uh, I still, I wish I, I can't believe my Spanish is not, should be, it should be perfect. <laughs> and I still struggle sometimes, but it's worth the struggle. Uh, and so uh, that's, that's importance in life. I love how you describe your ongoing relationships because I think sometimes it's easy to justify that they're just going to be here for a few months. What can we possibly do? But like you said, many of, especially the H2A workers, come back year after year or they're from the same community. And even though you got to know their cousin, then the next year their cousin comes and they already feel that they have a relationship with you. And over time, you've built that relationship with their families and their towns. And, you know, something that seems like superficial has turned into a very meaningful relationship over the years so exactly really and like today I'm, I'm, I'm here in Owensboro which is a little bit but I'm going to be visiting some of the guys that I knew that used to live where I lived mm-hmm. and they live out here in Owensboro so I'm going to see them this, this afternoon so yes it, it's uh, it's up to each one of us how much we can put into a relationship mm-hmm. uh, and it was, we our time is limited and our time is precious and so how, what we can do is we do have so much to do in a, a ministerial setting. Mm-hmm. But if that can be part of our ministerial setting, I think it enriches other people within in our churches. And I think that that's important. Mm-hmm. We have to see people with different eyes. We hear so much in, in the news about people you know, that have come and that might speak different than we do or are different. Well, when we get to know them, we realize that they you know, might speak a different language, but they truly are our brothers and sisters. And so that's something we really have to always, always remember. Mm-hmm. Are there specific resources that you've found helpful either in addressing their concrete needs or their spiritual needs of the migrant communities that you've worked with? Um, there are. I, I believe that um, networking is so important. Mm-hmm. And so um, there's a, now for those that are, that are working with the visas, they do have the um the, they do have the documentation to stay here. But to, to understand, like, 
where there's some medical that feel that can help them. Mm-hmm. Who in the area speaks Spanish? They can say, well, they can go to his doctor who can help them with that, who will be able to understand them. Uh, spiritually, uh, I, I always receive uh, booklets that I give out, uh, all kinds of prayer cards. Uh, and, and so that to me is important that you can also have something that they can hold out. Mm-hmm. You know, sometimes our missalettes in church, this is something very easy, it doesn't cost anything. Our missalettes, instead of putting them in recycling, give them to some of the migrant workers. Mm-hmm. There, There's hymns in there they can sing. There's readings that, uh, and so I found that every year I, I fill that up. Also, often, sometimes we have calendars that, uh, that are left over, church calendars. They're wonderful to give. Mm-hmm. Uh, clothing, if they're going back home, do they need clothing for their children? Uh, and so that's another wonderful thing to give out. Um, you know, what, you know, I always, if people, it, it, we get all these things in the mail, uh, little uh, necklaces and religious necklaces mm-hmm. and things. Mm-hmm. Well, that's great to say, take this to your wife. Mm. or take this to your child. Uh, and so it, it, we don't know what to do with half the things we get. Mm. And so a lot of times, like, if there's pictures of Jesus or something, you know, they don't understand, they can't read English per se, but there's a lot of things we get with just pictures of a saint or something. And, and to give that out, um, they really appreciate that, at least from my experiences. And so I, I just might bring a box and say, here's things to look through. And And so... So they have the option of saying, "I want this" or "Don't want it." Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, but that that makes you know we have a lot of things that we collect. This is an option. This is a place where people would, I believe, really appreciate it. Mm-hmm. Good. That makes me think too. How can people learn more about you and your ministry and Glen Mary's ministry in general? Who? How can they get in touch with you or to learn more about you all? Well, uh, Glen Mary, we have. Uh, Glimmery is, is is a missionary group. We're based in Cincinnati. We of course you can Google Glimmery and they'll give you information. W I'm not sure of all those. Glimmery dot org. Dot org. Website. Right? Yeah. Okay. Org. Um, I, I'd be very happy to share anything with anyone uh, if you want to listen to me, <laughs> and I'd like to listen to you also, because we all have a lot of experience that we can learn from. Um, v i c s u b b vic sub at gmail.org and your gmail.com your parish is a holy family uh, catholic church and it's in lafayette tennessee it's 901 vincent v-i-n-s-o-n road lafayette tennessee uh people would say lafayette but we say lafayette (laughs) l-a-f-a-y-e-t-t-e tennessee 37083 and that is um you guys are working on a Building project right now or finishing up? Yes, we've, we're, we're building and we'll be dedicating September 21st of this year, 2019. Anyone is very welcome to come. Uh, we'd be glad to have you anytime you want to come. We'd be very happy to have you. Um, we'll show you around, we'll take you to the fields. Um, <laughs> and so uh, we are building a church after many years. Our church we have now is built on the side of a hill, there's no windows. It's very it's very hot sometimes. The parish has grown a lot, especially the Hispanic community, that we need a new facility. And so we have a, 
in, in Anglo community as well as Hispanic community. Uh, this area of, of Tennessee is growing rapidly because of because it's close to Nashville. It's an hour and 10 minutes from Nashville, and it's still rural, but it, it's, uh, it is close to a big city. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, I want to ask you a little more in general about ministry, what you've learned in your, did you say almost 40 years as a priest? Well, uh, as in, in Glimmery, in but, okay. but 30, 32 years as a priest. All right. So what have you learned that other priests or other Catholic leaders could learn from your experience? Well, one of the things is that um, we always have to be open to the Holy Spirit, which I think we all do. One of the things, so I, we sometimes hesitate if we don't feel like we can do something well. And I, I feel that's a time that we might be as moments of grace. And so even if you feel like, I, as I mentioned earlier, I don't know how to speak to the people, what am I going to say? Um, we have to really look foolish sometimes to really bring about the gospel. And so to be willing to do that, to be willing to say, well, I, I'm nervous, but I'm, I can do it. God's going to help me do it. And so to have the faith in that, I think is so important. Um, realize our own abilities. And so I think that that to me is so important. That to say, I can't do this because I don't know how to relate to people in this area. We can learn. They'll, they'll teach us. Mm-hmm. So that'd be important. Thank you. What advice do you have for keeping up your motivation, staying uh, in ministry, not burning out? What do you do, and what kind of words of encouragement can you give people listening who maybe are having a rough time in ministry to stick with it? I believe that all of us have had that experience. I've had that um, and uh, to me, it's 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 been a, it, it, I've had hardships with that. I guess for me, people bring me closer to the Lord all the time, and so uh, I, I I believe finding the Lord in other people. I think God sends people into our lives, so I have to be open to everyone. Um, also, uh, if there's a sense of burnout, to maybe to take desert days. I'm not really good at doing that, but to take time to to find quiet within our own ministry, to get lost in our own ministry. I mean, away from our own ministry, I should say. I am a person that likes people so often they give me energy. And so as an extrovert, I believe. So I, I think each person has to look into their hearts and find out some of the issues that we have to deal with and how we can do with that. I, I believe... To me, uh, the people, the Hispanic people in the camps, they don't have a lot of demands on me personally. And so sometimes in a parish, because you are the pastor, people have demands of you know, doing projects or doing things. But when I go to the camps, people don't have any demands on me. I can just, not that I can't be myself with other people, but I can just sit and, and share stories. And so... That to me is a blessing, not to have that whole sense of of we have demands and we have a meeting coming up in seventy five mm-hmm. minutes or so. Mm-hmm. And so that to me is very important. Mm-hmm. Would you mind to close us out with prayer for all those who serve the church, please? Yes. Well, my brothers and sisters, we give you thanks for your ministry, your tremendous ministry of 
love and service to others. And so uh, we ask our blessed, loving Lord, his wonderful mother, all the saints and angels, that we will be guided, that we will seek to serve the Lord, serve the Lord through our brothers and sisters, and serve the Lord as true missionaries of faith and love. So guide us and be with us always. We pray this in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Father Vic, for coming and taking your time to share with us. I appreciate it. Thank you very much. What a great conversation with Father Vic. Here are some of the key takeaways for me. Number one, start small. Remember that the most important thing is your presence. Even just the gesture of seeking out the people living in the peripheries speaks volumes to them. Like Father Vic said, start by just introducing yourself, offering to visit, share a meal, and hear about their stories and their families. Accompany them. Number two, invite other people to join you. Gather together a group of people who may feel called to this ministry so that it's not so overwhelming for you alone or just a few people. And don't forget to broaden your network with medical personnel, community organizations, and others who may have resources that migrant workers could need. Also, don't forget to try to visit early in the season when they may be struggling more. Number three, involve the whole parish. Your entire parish family will be enriched by the experience of ministering to the migrant. Consider asking for their specific prayers and donations of items that could be used, like Father Vic suggested, personal hygiene items, first aid supplies, clothing for them or for their family when they're heading back, prayer cards, or other religious items. Also, if you'd like to donate items to a Glenmary mission, you can see their wish list at glenmary.org. Number four, build relationships with farm owners. This can really help facilitate building a pastoral relationship with your parishioners who are working for them and living on their land. Many dioceses and even parishes have Catholic rural life groups. You can find out more at catholicruralife.org or you could check out the youngcatholicfarmers.com website. Consider getting involved in local farmers associations and groups or future farmers of America. Number five, follow the Holy Spirit's prompting. Like Father Vic said, we sometimes hesitate if we don't feel like we can do something well. Those can be moments of grace, even if you feel like you don't know how to speak or what to say, to be willing to say, I'm nervous, but God's going to help me do it. Such wise words that can be applied to all of our ministries. Well, I hope you liked the interview and that it will be helpful in your ministry. Please share it with another Catholic leader who may find it helpful. And don't forget to visit the show notes at pattycc.com 32 to see the links to all the resources that we mentioned. Don't forget to check out gentepuente.com after September 1st, 2019 to check out the Gente Puente merch for sale. If you consider yourself a bridge builder and want to encourage others to be, go check them out. Thank you for all that you do to unite the body of Christ through your ministry. And any purchases you make will support this podcast and be so appreciated. I really hope to continue to spread the word about what is working well in Catholic Hispanic ministry around the United States and continue to build a community of gente puente supporting each other. 
And don't forget, if you'd like a customized design for your parish or diocese, you can just let me know via email patty at pattycc.com or through our Patty's Catholic Corner Facebook page. Also, if you're listening to this before August 20th, 2019, you can still leave us a brief message on our SpeakPipe page. We would love to hear from you about what it means to be gente puente in your ministry. Do you consider yourself a bridge builder, perhaps between different cultures or language groups, or between the church and those outside the church, or between ministers with different areas of focus, or simply among Catholics who have different points of view? If so, we want to hear from you. Just visit speakpipe.com slash pattycc. Introduce yourself briefly with your name and your ministry, and tell us what it means for you to be gente puente. In other words, how do you build bridges in your ministry? Your message could appear on our anniversary episode. It can be in English or Spanish. If you have trouble recording a message, just let me know by email or through Facebook and I'll help you out. As I said in episode 30, at the end of the podcast episodes, I've started giving announcements that might be of interest to Catholic leaders who are connected to the Hispanic community. So if you have an event coming up that you think the Gente Puente community would like to know about, or if you found a really excellent resource that you think might be useful, let me know. Send me an email or message me on Facebook. You can find the links in the show notes at pattycc.com slash 32. Here are the events that we have so far. Thanks to Chris Corris, a member of our Gente Puente Facebook group, for letting me know about an event in the Diocese of Davenport for Hispanic families on Saturday, August 10th, 2019 in Ottawa, Iowa. It is the third theological pastoral conference in Spanish with the theme Mary Full of Grace, with several well-known speakers, including Cardinal Francisco Robles of the Archdiocese of Guadalajara. You can find the flyer in the show notes with the contact information or send an email to moreno at davenportdiocese.org. You can also see the flyer in our community on Facebook. It's a group for Catholic leaders to share ideas, resources, and encouragement with other Catholic ministers. You can find us at facebook.com slash groups slash gente puente or just search for gente puente on Facebook. Next, October 6th through 9th, 2019, is the annual conference of the International Catholic Stewardship Council in Chicago, Illinois. You can find out more at catholicstewardship.com, or in the show notes, you can see a link to the brochure. As always, there are stewardship talks in Spanish at this conference. Just like Corin Ruiz said in episode 27, as the Hispanic community grows in the Catholic Church, formation in stewardship is essential for long-term sustainability. And lastly, November 21st through the 23rd, 2019, is the National Catholic Youth Conference in Indianapolis, Indiana. The website is ncyc.info. This is an incredible opportunity to encourage the youth in your parish by meeting thousands of joyful and faith-filled Catholics from across the country. Check with your diocesan youth ministry office for more details because you have to register with the delegation. And now is the perfect time to start fundraising. The next episode of the Pente Puente podcast will be about how to accompany youth and young adults in our ministry with Jaime Gil, the Director of Religious Education and Youth Ministry for the Diocese of Belleville. You don't want to miss it. Also, please let your Spanish-speaking catechists and youth ministry colleagues or volunteers know that the episode is coming. 
Don't forget to subscribe to the Gente Puente podcast in Apple Podcasts or Google Podcasts or Spotify or your favorite podcast app so you don't miss any future episodes. Thanks for listening today. May God bless you and your ministry as Gente Puente. Gente Puente.